Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, back in my home bunker. Um, Folks, let's start off with something that I never get to start off with, which is some good news. As of the time of this recording, Secretary Blinken has announced that there is a substantial deal that was placed on the table to Russia in order to get back Brittany Griner. Now, for those of you who obviously have been paying attention, Brittany Griner has been in custody uh, with Russian officials since February uh, on some bullshit trumped up drug charges because of vials of cannabis oil, uh, that were found in her luggage, which she says, uh, that she has a prescription for, uh, from a doctor, but, uh, the country of Russia has a zero tolerance on drugs. Uh, she has been on trial. Uh, we have seen glimpses of her looking at least physically well, um, being detained for, for this considerable amount of time. I am hopeful, uh, because over the last couple of months, we have seen an uptick in attention and focus on her predicament, right? Uh, initially when this first happened back in February, it got very little press. And part of that, uh, at least from what I heard was because the, you know, state department officials work through back channels. They work through avenues that are not dealt with in the public eye. And it was said not to bring, not to draw so much attention to her because then the Russians would want to do some other maneuvering. Well, things have changed over the last several months. Her wife has taken to calling the White House. She has been on Good Morning America and other outlets pleading for the safe return of Brittany Griner. So right now, uh, Brittany has um, basically pled guilty 
because by virtue of the Russian courts, you do are not seen to be innocent. Um, and she has testified on her own behalf to plead uh, guilty and to convince uh, the judge that she should be released. Um, word is that any exchange with regard to an exchange of prisoners, which is what the State Department is working on, um, we have no timeline uh, for that. But folks are saying that she needs to be convicted and then sentenced, and then we will see where we go from there. But folks, um, one of the things that has troubled me, I think, the most about this case, other than the fact that, you know, the Russians... Uh, do anything, right? Everything is about political gain. Everything is about a political strategy. It, it is all bullshit maneuvering so that they can get out heinous, horrible people from prison um, so that they can get sanctions dropped. Like everything is a fucking political game. But what has really, you know, gotten me in particular about this case is that Brittany Griner should have never had to be in Russia in the first place. And that is a failing of the United States. Why do I say that? Well, because the women who play basketball in the WNBA do not even make half of what NBA players make in this country, which requires them then to go ahead and play abroad, right, uh, in the American offseason so that they can continue to make money. Brittany Griner uh, was in Russia because she plays basketball for a living and we don't really particularly give a shit about women in sports, uh, and how much they get paid. Look at what has happened. The lawsuit that the women's soccer team had to bring against the soccer association for the imbalance, the inequity in the pay between men and women in soccer right? These are the same cases that we have heard brought up with tennis players and the tennis association, uh, namely with the Williams sisters and what they have had to go through in order to get, again, equal fucking pay. So this is, you know, so many layers of this uh, Brittany Griner trial and issue is layered with how we treat and value women in this country, plain and simple. If Brittany Griner was making as much money as, you know, whatever other top NBA player who is in her same positioning, do you think that she would have been in Russia? No, she would be enjoying her offseason as NBA players enjoy their offseason, right? Being able to provide for their families amply, right? Uh, and not have to travel around the world in order to do that. And so, I, you know, I, I bring that up because I think that it is really important that we recognize, I mean, and we know this, right? We know this by virtue of the reversal of Roe v. Wade. We know this by virtue of the fact that in this country, we have yet to be able to pass uh, an Equal Pay Act, right? We know that white women... Um, make probably 72 cents, I think it was the last time that I saw, to the dollar of a white man. And that the number uh, is lessened uh, as you add on race, as you, you know, for, for people, black women making uh, less and being yet more qualified right? In terms of the number of professional degrees, in terms of certifications and all of these things. And so again, 
if we were to actually take a strong look and give a shit in this country about equity, then we would have passed an Equal Pay Act a long, long time ago because the days are gone of, you know, heteronormativity and the male going into the workforce and the job and the boss saying, oh, your wife is pregnant. So here's a raise for the family type of bullshit. I mean, I know that that's what the Republicans want to drag us back to, um, where women are needing to be reliant on, uh, on their spouses because they're trapped into pregnancy and parenthood that they don't want to be in. Right. And that forces this vicious cycle of women and people with uteruses being forced out of the workforce, clearing the way for white men, clearly, um, to be able to not only rule the workforce, but also rule their nest and women not have any outlet whatsoever. That's the goal of the Republican party is to turn women back into, uh, a servile positioning in our country. And you know how easy it is being done. Right. So I, I think that it is always important that when we look at these cases with that are gaining national attention, that we look at the why, that we ask ourselves the why about those things and jo- don't just assume them to be uh, by face value. Uh, just one thing about foreign affairs and the United States and their geopolitical war that they like to play. <sighs> Folks, we are now also six months into the war in Ukraine, which is just fucking crazy to even think about the devastation that Russian aggression and war crimes have caused in the country of Ukraine. Um, this week, if you, uh, pay attention to the likes of Vogue magazine, both, um, Zelensky and his, and his wife, first lady are on the cover the digital cover of Vogue magazine. And they are talking about the horrors of war, what, uh, what this has done, um, to their own families, to their country. Um, and you know, to themselves, I said something the other day to a friend of mine with regard to president Zelensky. And I said, Man, if you look at photos from six months ago of Zelensky and you look at photos now, it is evident that the man has must have aged at least 10 years in six months. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot as Republicans continue to wage war against democracy and against decency uh, in this country about whether or not those of us who do believe in democracy are actually willing to fight for it in the way that people are fighting for it in Ukraine. Now, I'm not going to make any comparisons to being in a maternity ward and the hospital being blown up or being in sitting in my apartment and the apartment building being blown up or any of the things, the heinous acts that we have seen at the hands of Russians. But the question that we should all really truly be asking ourselves is if America continues on this anti-democratic slope that we are on, what are each of us actually willing to do to defend democracy? You know, I think about the people in Ukraine. I think about people all over the world who are forced into extraordinary situations because of power greed, right? 
violence that plagues their countries. We have largely, as a nation, been shielded from that, right? Not since the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, have we seen, uh, outside of the bombing of Pearl Harbor, fighting on our own soil. And what has really got me in, in this realm of thinking, obviously, is because we pay attention every single day uh, to the news. But there was a recent article in the Washington Post that there were interviews that were done of Republicans and, you know, looking at candidates at the local, state, and national level that are running for office. And in this article, folks, these people are not holding back. They are saying that they are prepared for a civil war, they are ready for a civil war, and that a majority of Americans outside of the Republican Party believe that this will come in the next couple of years. Namely, they have eyes on 2024. If Republicans take back the House and the Senate in the fall, they are going to do some really egregious underhanded shit. We already know that because they've told us. If a Republican, whether it be Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, or Mike Pence, become president of the United States in 2024, you can kiss every single right. You can kiss the Constitution goodbye altogether. In these polls that have been done with Republicans, many of them have said that, you know, 40% of the population, hell, I'll give up on, you know, democracy so long as we have a strong man at the helm of this country. Not only were we registered last year as a backsliding democracy for the first time in the history of the United States, people are talking about a civil war. People are talking about wanting a strong man instead of democracy. These are regular conversations that are happening, right? And not just with the politically astute or those that pay attention. It's happening with everybody around everybody's kitchen table. So I think about the images coming out of Ukraine and I think about the trauma that has been inflicted on these, on these people. Uh, who have done nothing other than trying to live their lives, right, as as best they could in the in a country that they were born in, in a country that they love, only to have everything that they've ever known upended, to lose loved ones, to lose their homes, to lose their futures, right? Pick up with whatever it is that they have and literally cross borders into other nations with nothing but what they have on their backs to start over. And I think that, you know, while I was really aggravated by the way that the Ukrainian people have been presented in the news as if like, we should all have empathy for these people, but we don't have empathy for people in Afghanistan. We don't have empathy for people in Syria. We don't have empathy for people in Iran, right? We don't have empathy for people in the Congo. We don't have empathy for people who are not black uh, who are not white with, you know, blue eyes and blonde hair. And that is by virtue of white supremacy and who runs uh, the news, who runs everything, right? White people in power. Hey, I'm David Plotz of Slate's Political Gabfest. 
As another election season accelerates, it can be tricky to sort through all the noise in the news. Each week on the GabFest, John Dickerson, Emily Bazelon, and I decipher the headlines, break down the races, and tell you what issues really matter. We do not always agree. We definitely do not always agree. But we always deliver thoughtful debate, and we always have a good time. So subscribe to Slate's Political GabFest. New episodes every Thursday. There. I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics, hosted by Ashanti Goler, the president of Emerge. BGG is the one-stop shop for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. Join Ashanti this season as she talks to incredible women of color who are changing the face of politics and tackling some of the most important issues facing the United States. From reproductive justice to voting rights to climate change and more. Tune in every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. But there is something to think about when we are on the verge of so much, right? Like when we are on the verge of so much that is happening on the brink of just, it feels like, (laughs) remember playing on the seesaw as a kid on the, on the playground. I don't even know if they have seesaws anymore. But playing on a seesaw and, you know, the other person would get up and you would be slapped down to to the ground. That's how I feel about this country right now. Like we're trying to both stay even and in the air with our emotional well-being, with our understanding of democracy. We're just up and we're down. We're up and we're down. And I'm just waiting for the moment where the Republican Party completely gets off of the seesaw and they're just like, fuck it. We're drawing our guns and we're done because I feel like this is imminent, right? When you have Republicans that are running for office and they're doing so holding their AR-15s, when they are talking about the use of violence against political opponents, when they are, and, and, and rising in the polls doing it, right? When they are continuing to spread lies, when you could say that, oh yes, I was at the insurrection and run for governor like Doug Mastriano was doing in Pennsylvania and that'd be okay. You not be in jail, right? Because you would think, oh no, this man is going to be charged with a federal crime and he would never be able to run for office, but not in these United States, right? Not nowadays. But you think about the fact that these people are literally getting everything that they have ever wanted. Their wish list, right, for America is literally being checked off one box at a time. And yet, when you listen to Donald Trump, which, by the way, I did not listen to the whole speech, his bullshit speech, I was only listening to pieces of it because I can't stomach that bullshit. Donald Trump talking about America has got to be one of the most scary things that I've ever heard. Donald Trump sees nothing good in this country. Even when Republicans are winning, it's not even about them touting the reversal of Roe v. Wade or touting all of the gun legislation that is across this country now, where you can just get a gun as easy as you can, you know, pick up a a thing of Tic Tacs, where you can, you know, deny curriculum and burn books and don't say gay and all of these things that they have won. You would think that Donald Trump would then stand before his legions of sycophants and tick down all of those wins, but no. Donald Trump stands before the American public 
and says that the streets are filled with bodies and guns and, you know, and, oh, not guns, because he would love that, with drugs and that we should execute drug dealers and that there's just mayhem and carnage and terror everywhere. And I'm like, America is pretty much a shit show. It's a shit show because of all of the things that Republicans and the likes of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema have continued to allow to happen in this country, right? To make this country unsafe. But the idea that we're all walking out of our front doors into some type of to Donald Trump's hellscape is like is laughable. Right? And so I'm like, even when they are winning, they still run on fear. Which means to me that they're never going to be satisfied, right? They're never going to be satisfied until every right is gone, until every person is living in fear, until the, the hope and the will of America is, is, is taken from everyone's eyes and souls, until it's just drained from all of us. Because they don't even celebrate their victories. They just continue to cry foul and play victim. Right? Like Donald Trump is talking about all of the carnage and the mayhem in the street and then saying, and they don't want me to lead you. Bitch, where did you lead us? You almost led us into multiple Twitter fucking like real world wars with Iran and with North Korea. You know, you're being, the government is being sued by several families who were separated at the border under your bullshit policies. Right. And they will most likely win um, because what the Trump administration did to undocumented people and their children was so fucking heinous and disgusting. But I'm like, how do you counter this horrible vision and dream of America that Donald Trump and Republicans have? You have to give something to the people to have hope in. And this is a thing that I understand, you know, now more than ever about Democrats and the Democratic Party. While I say that a healthy dose of fear is good, do you want Trump's America or do you want the Biden version of America that we're all fighting for? Right? Like that to me is a very simple ad. You know, run down, play over Donald Trump just recently talking about the mayhem and the lack of law and order and just run the visuals from the insurrection as Donald Trump is speaking today, 500 and some odd days after he incited an entire crowd to attack his vice president and the capital of the United States and say, do you want this version of America or do you want the one over here that we are all fighting for, for better schools, right? That don't burn books, but actually seek to educate and uplift our nation's children so that we can be globally competitive. Do you want Donald Trump's version of America where you are not safe anywhere? Or do you want a version of America that we're fighting for where you can go to the grocery store, your synagogue, your mosque, and your church, and a movie theater, right? With your family and to a parade and not be worried about being mowed down because we can do something about assault weapons and weapons of mass destruction that are on our streets. The contrast to me is so very clear to paint even without any real major policy wins from this administration. And yet, here we sit. 
but a handful of months before midterms, crossing our fingers and toes and hoping to God that the Republican white supremacist party doesn't take hold over this entire nation. Even though, by the way, they pretty much have a really fucking tight grip. So I sit here and I wonder most days as I, you know, look at the destruction that the rubble that most of Ukraine has turned into now. And I wonder how many of us would be willing to fight for this nation as opposed to dusting off our passports and saying, fuck it, I'm starting over someplace else, which by the way, I have those fantasies on a regular goddamn basis. My sister just came back from living abroad for the last 12 years, right? I know that it can be done. I know that you can make a good living and you can travel the world, but what does it mean to no longer have a home base, right? What does it mean to be a stranger in every land that you traverse? Because the one that you were born in is no longer recognizable. These are the things that kind of keep me up at night on a regular basis, wondering and worrying about what the future is going to look like here. And I don't want the future of America to look like Ukraine with millions of us, you know, either heading South for Mexico or North for Canada, right? And figuring out how to start over. But that's the America that Republicans want. They want to drive everybody that looks like me Praise different, looks different, loves different out of this country. You know, just the other day, what was making the news? Doug Mastriano's like campaign lead. Talking about the fact that America is a Christian nation, a white Christian nation. Marjorie Taylor Greene found herself saying that she's a nationalist and she's a Christian and she's a Christian nationalist and there's nothing wrong with that. Rachel Maddow, because of her comments, did a major, a major deep dive into Christian nationalism and what that looked like in the United States, this push for it. It is Nazism. It is the KKK. It is burning crosses. This man was on national television talking about, oh, we won't expel the Jews, but they'll need to you know, they'll have the benefits of living in a Christian nation. The fuck? I don't know what constitution they're all reading, but I'm pretty sure that America was founded, right? Air quotes on religious freedom, right? They were fleeing persecution. So the very idea that then the descendants of those who came here would turn around and say that no one else has the ability to practice their own faith because their belief is that America should have one faith that we all abide by and one rule of law, which is that white supremacy runs all things and is all things. You have the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens that are sitting in Congress talking about there should be no separation between church and state. You have a Supreme Court that has just eroded further the separation between church and state. And so again, when I say to you, what are you willing to fight for? If in fact it comes to pass, which again, the polls are saying it is more likely than not to come to pass. What are you willing to stand up and fight for? These are the questions that we need to be asking each other around our kitchen table. Because it isn't just going to be enough to tweet about it. It isn't going to just be enough to vote. 
I think that this is going to come down to actual fucking hand-to-hand combat. I think that it is going to come down to a whole lot of things because I don't believe that this version of the white nationalist Republican party is going away, right? We had an opportunity to cut off the head of the snake, Donald Trump twice with two impeachment trials and Republicans said, nah, this is our guy, right? You have Matt Gates, that fucking pedophile piece of shit, um, disparaging women, but making it clear that no Republican is going to vote for Mike Pence because Donald Trump is their guy. I'm sure he wants Donald Trump back in office so that he can get pardoned for his sex trafficking charges. I just want Democrats right now to do a better job of laying out to the American people that the version of America that Republicans have isn't just one that is about white supremacy. It is also one that is about vigilante violence, right? Political violence, where it is going to be the norm that you're going to have people's lives threatened, the lives of their families threatened because you decide to run for office. But this is what they want because then it will keep away good people, right? People who want to do good by this country and it'll make way for the crazy fucking zealots. (sighs) Let me turn to climate change. The pictures that have come out of St. Louis More rain in five hours than they've gotten in like a month. Uh, The brush fire that sparked an entire neighborhood to be burned down in Texas. The triple digit heat that we have been living in across a majority of this country and around the world. Folks, Joe Manchin voted against any climate legislation. One man who is taking millions of dollars each and every year from the dirty coal industry is the one that is deciding whether or not you get to breathe clean air, whether or not you have the ability to fight back against raging fire seasons, whether or not you are going to be able to air condition your way out of climate change, which none of us are going to be able to do. We have got to figure out how to fight these people who don't give a fuck. You know, I tweeted the other day, I said, you know, it is insane to me that it's people that are in their 70s and their 80s that are making decisions about inaction around climate change that they're not even going to be around in another 20 years to deal with the continued fallout from the decisions that they're making now that are solely based in greed. And so if we're not calling these people out and letting the public know exactly why, right? We are going to be living under so many different kinds of threats, the threats of voter suppression, the threats of having more rights taken away, the threats of climate change. We're just living under threat because of people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, right? The Republicans have already told us who they are. They've consistently been who they have been. But it is Democrats who pretend 
To say that we're not like the other guy, we can give you all of the things that you want and then they fall short because they have people who are really Republicans in sheep's clothing. So I'm hoping over the next couple of months that we are going to see the largest number of Generation Z vote in midterm elections who are in their early 20s, right? Who, you know, are over the age of 18, just entering into the workforce or entering into school and saying, these people need to get the fuck up out of the way. Because that's who we need to be invigorating right now. And I hope that we are by virtue of the administration signaling the fact that they are telling student loan debtors to um, back up, right? That they are going to be extending or maybe finally canceling student loan debt. And this will engage a whole host of people, over 40 million of the population that is dealing with crippling debt. But I know that we need to do something to activate the American people. And it isn't just going to be fear, right? But we have to provide some type of hope because if you don't have hope of a brighter day, then why would you wake up? That is it for me, dear friends, on Woke AF today. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.